Hey, can we have a kind of a grown-up talk today where we just talk about some things going on in our culture? And uh, I want to, uh, you, you've heard some of this talk about justice. You've heard all kinds of, you know, no justice, no peace, all that kind of thing. Uh, what, what's being said? What's being meant by what's being said? Uh, how do we respond as Christians? That's kind of where we want to be over the next couple of weeks. Um, this passage just stands out to me. First Chronicles 12, 32. Can y'all see some of this right here? Um, it says this, and it's going through in Chronicles right here. It's going through some of the different tribes of Israel and all that. It says, Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. You know, we need men and women like that, don't we? Our country, we need to pray for God to raise up like some sons of Issachar. We need people that can direct us, lead us in a right, proper way, understand what's going on and all the different complications and facets of it all. Uh, we want that. We need that for church too. Amen. We need that for our church leaders. Uh, too many are, are cowering at times when we need to be standing. So uh, we, we, need, we need a lot of help. You know, it's no coincidence we've been teaching on wisdom lately. Uh, we need God to give us wisdom, wisdom from his world, from his mind. All right. So we need people that understand what's going on. And not just understand, because a lot of people can, you know, diagnose you. Uh, but what, what do we do next? That's important, isn't it? What, what's going to happen? What needs to happen? What needs to transpire? What steps do we need to take? So God give us some of these sons of Issachar. All right. Now, tonight we're going to look at kind of the cultural climate and what's currently kind of going on and, and what's really behind it. It's kind of what we're going to look at tonight. Uh, it's going to be a little, little edgy, but... but uh, not near as bold as those who are standing in our face shouting certain things. I can promise you that. So t tonight, let's look at some of the cultural climate and try to make sense of some of it. Uh, I've been doing a lot of research uh, over the years, actually, through, through this particular subject and listening to a lot lately and reading a lot. Um, just got through reading the Communist Manifesto. You know, just a nice light read there. <laughs> it's actually only 48 pages, but it's kind of difficult to, you kind of got to read it with a dictionary sometimes. Um, but thanks to, to Robbie Zacharias, um, who just recently passed, he, he's spoken a lot on these kind of issues. Uh, God bless Robbie. Anybody ever listen to Robbie Zacharias? Uh, he's still on the radio today, but um, he's another one of those guys that he makes you think, you know. He makes you think, and he makes you go to the dictionary and say, hey, what's that word mean? <laughs> I, I like to listen to people that stretch me, that stretch my mind. Uh, also, thanks to Vody Bacham, the gentleman that we watched on, on the video last week. Uh, he's, he's helped a lot in, in these areas and just how to formulate things. Uh, David Barton is another guy I really have enjoyed dealing with America and its history and all that kind of thing. Anybody familiar with David Barton and wall builders? Anybody ever heard of wall builders? He's got some videos out called America's Christian Heritage and America's Spiritual Heritage. Uh, things that, we're going to watch some of those in, in time. Um, he's got, a, he's got a, uh, a video called American History in Black and White, and it, it deals with the issues of, of slavery and black and white relations in our country and, and the Democrats and the Republicans who set, set the slaves free and all those kind of things. It really goes, it's, it's really very informative. Uh, so, and there's been many other teachers that's helped us with insight. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to look at biblical justice. We're going to go in there and see what, what does the Bible mean by justice. Okay, so here we go. All right, so three groups. All right, y'all ready for the, the grown-up? Everybody take a deep breath. Let's jump into it. All right, this is going to be like, like a, a history class slash sociology class. Um, so you're glad you came, right? <laughs> All the stuff you didn't listen to that you should have listened to when you were in class, right? All right, so there, there are three groups in what's now called the civil rights movement. You know, the civil rights movement has evolved into something different today than it was in the, in the 60s. It was almost strictly uh, human rights and uh, minorities back in the 60s, you know. Uh, now it's kind of evolved into something else. It's kind of got these three streams or three groups that's kind of coming into it now. Uh, there's the human rights, which is uh, front and center today is Black Lives Matter, uh, minority rights, immigration, especially dealing with illegals and undocumented Im immigrants and all those kind of things. So they deal with human rights. It also deals with women's rights, uh, which is also uh, feminism, uh, abortion on demand, th those kind of things, uh, women's rights. And also the LGBTQIA plus rights group. Anybody, you ever seen that acronym right there? You may be familiar with the LGBTQ, but they, they've, they're ever evolving. Uh, this just means lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or questioning. This is intersex. That's, that's folks with different um, 
problems in, in the way their anatomy is and things like that, born with different defects and things of that nature. And then there's the A, which is the asexual or, or the allies of the particular movement. And then the plus sign is just in case we left anybody out, they just throw that in there. It's a plus sign. Okay. Now, I say that because these three are merging in their mission together. Okay. That's going to be real important. As, as we unpack things even next week, these groups are real important because these groups represent uh, all kinds of political agendas and all kinds of political ideas and, and, and desires that they want. And politicians go to these particular groups and the groups ask them, what are you going to do for us? That's how politics work nowadays. You know what I'm talking about? So you got, you got these three merging in their mission. Uh, you've heard this, this phrase, no justice, no peace. They say it over and over. They say by any means necessary, whatever that means, you know, they don't sound like no peaceful thing. But some groups are peaceful. You know, some groups are violent. Some groups want all that war. I can promise you. You've seen some of the videos probably. Some groups would love nothing more than to trigger a civil war in this country. And each protest group kind of thing, you've got three basic types. You've got the peaceful protesters. You've got the activists who are sometimes paid or oftentimes paid. You know, they're called in to organize the groups. They're called into places to where they pay people to come in and say, hey, they hand out the material, the flyer, they get them organized, teach them how to breathe, teach them how to chant, teach them how to march, teach them how to, where to go, what to do, uh, how to react to certain situations with the police and all these kind of things. These guys are pros. You know what I'm talking about? They're, they're professional protesters, they're activists. And then you have the opportunists. Now, those are the radicals. Those are the folks that are really, really rioting, tearing down a lot of stuff, burning a lot of stuff, doing all that kind of thing. So just keep that in mind because not everybody in these movements is, is violent and wanting war. Some folks may have really seriously been wronged in certain ways, you know, and they, they want what they call justice. But let, let's get this. So justice is a Bible word. It's also in, in our Pledge of Allegiance. Remember that? With liberty... And justice for all. You know, I, I'm so old now that I remember the days that on the intercom system at school, every single day, one, one of the guys that did it in our high school would get up every single morning and he would lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance and he would lead us in prayer. Anybody remember that? The, the little box on the wall up there, that kind of thing? They would, they would do that kind of thing and they would have us stand up. Everybody stood. Everybody put their hands on their heart with liberty and justice for all. We said the pledge, right? Now, justice is a Bible word and a Bible idea, really. However, these groups have a different idea of what justice is to them. And they've got a different definition of what justice is. So let's, that's kind of where we're going to go. Uh, let's just jump right into this idea. Let's go right into the deep end right here. Right, uh, Black Lives Matter. You've heard of that. We, that's, that's a relatively new movement. You know, it was started, I think, back in, uh, back in 2000, I want to say 13 or 14. You remember the Trayvon Martin situation that happened where the young boy was, was killed by the, the neighborhood watch or the, the security guard guy? Remember that kind of thing? The Black Lives Matter movement was started right after that. It was, that was kind of the, the impetus that pushed that into to being the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, this is not my words. This is their words from their website, some of their mission statements. Now, this is important. Now, listen to this. It says this, Black Lives Matter will focus on issues concerning racial injustice, police brutality, criminal justice reform, black immigration, economic injustice, LGBTQIA+, and human rights, environmental injustice, access to health care, access to quality education, and voting rights and suppression. So it's not just about police brutality, what's going on. They've got actually a whole political and social agenda that they're, that they're behind. Okay? Now, this is, this is kind of alarming. Now, listen to this. From their website now, this is on their, if you go to their website, that's all you got to do. Pull it up. Go type in Black Lives Matter. It's right there. It says right here, this is some of their, 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 their uh, mission statement stuff. Okay? It says, we must move beyond the narrow nationalism that is all too prevalent in black communities. Move beyond the narrow nationalism. I, I want to ask somebody the question, does nationalism equal America? Because you read some of their propaganda and you'll think it does. They want to move beyond this idea of allegiance to America. I don't know how you can be a citizen of a country and then move beyond being a citizen of that country. That's kind of problematic, isn't it? Now listen to this. 
We affirm the lives of black, queer, and trans folks, disabled folks, undocumented folks, we would call them illegal aliens or illegal immigrants, undocumented folks, folks with records, that can also mean the incarcerated, women, and all black lives along the gender spectrum. You see some, there's some political words in there, isn't it? Gender spectrum. When you think of gender, what do you think of? Male and female. But now, according to their politics and others in the LGBTQ movement and all that kind of thing, there's a whole spectrum of genders now. As I told you before, my daughter took a course uh, recently. Uh, it was actually a couple of years ago at this point, but she took a course at, at her university, and I think they listed out something like 64 different genders. It's, something, it's different, but I'm just saying this is all part of, all these streams are merging, okay? Now, listen to this. Um, from their website again, their mission statement. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages. Anybody remember several years back when Hillary Clinton made the statement, it doesn't take a family to raise a child, it takes a, a village. Remember that? She said that. Okay, so there's some of this ideology that's, that's beginning to stick in our culture, okay, in certain sects. Now, to disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family, what's a nuclear family? A nuclear family is a mom, a dad, and the children. So now this is their wording now. This is the, this is, nobody's putting this word in their mouth. This is their literature that they put out. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. They want to dismantle the family. Okay. Now, here's another idea. We foster a queer affirming network. I'm, I'm sorry I even have to say these things in here, but we, we just have to ask the Lord to sanctify us, help us. We foster a queer affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual. Where did police brutality go? There's something else working here is what I'm telling you. There's something else working. There's an agenda working, okay? Now you hear all this stuff about the change and the reshaping of America and society and community and even sexuality. You hear all that talk, okay? Now here's my question. After reading some of that stuff, now let me say this first. Do, do, do black lives matter? Well, certainly they do. Actually, the way they named it is actually kind of ingenious in one sense because how can you say no to that? And I wouldn't say no to that either. Black lives matter. I, that, they do matter. White lives matter. Latino lives matter. However you want to say it. I don't want to offend anybody. But however you want to say it, all lives really matter. They all matter to God. They should matter to us as his people, right? Amen. All lives matter. Black lives matter too. But black lives matter movement is a whole other thing. It's, it's becoming a political activist force in our country. It has become. In really just a short period of time. Okay. Now, here, here I have a question for us. Reading all the stuff that was said about breakdown of the family and all these other ideas that we just read, and, and there's a whole list of other ones I didn't have time to put in here. Can a true follower of Jesus Christ be a part of a movement like Black Lives Matter that has this kind of mission? No. I mean, really, seriously. I mean, I, I, that's, that's a viable question. My answer would be, no, what are we doing? You know, that's a whole, we've got our own kingdom, we've got our own mission and all that kind of thing, and many of those things are anti our mission as Christians. Now, we don't want to be anti-people, we love people. But these movements, that's something different. That's something way different. Now, listen to this. Why are Christians and Christian leaders chiming in with such a movement then? If they stand for all, have, have we lost the plot in our Christian circles so bad that now we will, are willing to align ourselves with folks who have very different beliefs than what our Bible says? There's something deadly wrong now. I'm telling you this before you want to go put your little black screen on your social media or do whatever you want to do and all that kind of thing. I'm telling you, be careful who you rub shoulders and hitch wagons with. Because you may not know what's behind the scenes. Now, these things aren't hidden, actually. I've got to give them credit on that. They didn't hide it. 
They'd put it right out in front of everybody. But you know what? And if you listen to people talk, even people who are the talking heads of society, both on the left and the right, the little bit I just told you, they don't even know it. You know why? They don't do their homework. They don't read. They charge on emotion, and that's where they launch. Okay, you got, you got it? Now, I'm, 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 I don't want to be against anybody. I'm for Jesus. That's what I'm for. I'm for the kingdom of God. But these kind of things better be thought through before we lose the plot and before we lose this country. You hear what I'm talking about? All right, now. The motivating ideology behind all of this is an ideology or social structure called Marxism. You've heard of Marxism? You've heard of that idea? Uh, Marxism, socialism, communism. Now, I, I know they're not all exactly the same. All three of those are not exactly the same. Uh, but for our purposes, we're just going to kind of do a broad stroke and kind of put them all together. They are brothers, though. I can tell you that. Um, Marxism, is, this is not a hidden thing anymore like it was in the past. Some of, some of you were alive back in the days of McCarthyism and all that kind of thing where communism was being hunted down in this country and, and flushed out. Remember those kind of things? It was actually a criminal offense to do these kind of deals. Well, and, and all, everything was, was uh, uh, covert. It was all undercover. It was all done in back alleys and, and back rooms, that kind of stuff. Well, nowadays, it's not done that way. It's put on websites. It's put for all to see. Their ideology is very simple. Their desire is to take us and turn us and reshape America into a socialistic society. There's no doubt about it. And all you have to do is go and read a little bit of the terminology, listen to a few of the talking heads, and you will understand exactly where they want to take this country. Okay? Now... Their desire is to reshape America, not to make America better, but to reshape this country. That's their desire, to make it into a whole new thing, all right? They say this, you hear some of the terminology, disrupt, dismantle, and defund the American way of life. All the protests and the riots are about the disruption. The dismantle, they want to do that through the political system especially through the political system. The defunding, they want to do that through the legislative system. You hear that kind of thing. Talking about defunding everything, defunding the police, defunding governmental agencies, defunding all kinds of things. I wish they'd bring up the IRS. That'd be good. one I could vote for on that one, but it's a different deal. Uh, <laughs> but they talk about defunding the police, which if you've ever lived in a big city, you would know that that is almost one of the worst ideas ever brought to the public forum. Because if you ever lived in a big city, what you find out is there's not enough police. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't reform certain things and, and better ourselves in our practices and all of our procedures and policies. Certainly, hey, that's, that's part of the American way to, to make things better. You know, we do that. And we make mistakes, we learn from those mistakes, and, and we correct them. That's part of our way. But police reform... And defunding the police, that's two different things. They don't want reform at all. Okay? All right. Everybody okay? Everybody good breathing while this? All right. All right, now, Marxism was basically built on the ideas of Karl Marx. You've heard of him, 1818 to 1883. He wrote the Communist Manifesto, which is just a small pamphlet, about 48 pages, something like that. Uh, but the kind of Marxism being espoused today is kind of a modern-day modernized, updated version of what Karl Marx presented, okay? So that's kind of what I want to present to you tonight is, is this idea of what is this idea of this neo-Marxism. That's what some of them are being called. Neo, just whenever somebody puts neo in front of a word, that just simply means new. It's this new idea of Marxism, okay? New. And when you think of neo, how many of you think of the matrix in that guy's name? You think of that guy? <laughs> now here's a fundamental foundational belief of Marxism is that history is an ongoing tension and a struggle between the oppressor and the oppressed. Okay, I'll read that to you again just so you get it, all right? History is an ongoing tension and an ongoing struggle between the oppressor and the oppressed. We could say it like this, between the haves and the have-nots. Between the dominant class or the dominant race or the dominant system versus their victims. Okay, 
So the oppressor versus the oppressed is what literally shapes society, okay? And what really needs to be changed about society according to Marxism. All right, now, uh, why don't I, I tell you these kind of things? Well, I want you to be intelligent, for one. I want you to be informed. That's part of my job is to equip you, biblically, absolutely certain, but culturally too. Because we need to be salt and light into the culture we live in, and we need to know what we're dealing with. I, I really believe that. I believe it. So when I, when I hear these ideas come up, you know, I start reading books. I got a stack of books I'm reading right now dealing with all this. I just want to know as much as I possibly can know so that I can speak intelligently. Because unfortunately, you know what? Christians aren't necessarily known for their intelligence. And that's a sad thing. It's caused us to lose a lot of ground. All right? So I want you to be as intelligent, and I'll do what I, whatever I can do to help you. And, and to try to make it palatable because some of the stuff you read is absolutely mind-boggling. It's, it's, it just, it's, it's written to where you probably can't understand it some of it. So I want you to be intelligent and I want you to be equipped. So this foundational belief of the oppressor versus the oppressed. Now, who is the oppressor? Now, according to this neo-Marxism, this new Marxism, uh, the oppressor has many, many different faces. The economic system of capitalism is an oppressor. If you were to go onto most state-run college campuses today and ask them what they believe about capitalism, a lot of our young people would say it needs to fall. Why? You know, the irony is while they're wearing their Nikes and their $200 sunglasses, they want to say that capitalism is no good. That's pretty crazy to me, isn't it? It's kind of insane. And these folks are using all of these corporations and all this kind of stuff who have all the money in capitalism to, to fund all their causes. But guess what happens to all of that when they get in power? Somebody needs to let Nike know what's going to happen. They don't think far enough ahead now. So the economic system of capitalism is one of the oppressors. The state or the government, as it currently is formed, is an oppressor. Law enforcement would be a part of that governmental structure. That's why defunding law enforcement is one of the agendas, okay? The current American way of life is oppressive, at least to some groups, at least to most groups, what they say. Who is the oppressor? White supremacy and white privilege is the real big one, especially for the Black Lives Matter stuff. White supremacy and white privilege. Now, has that ever been a problem in this country? Well, certainly. It certainly has, hasn't it? It has been a problem in this country in times past. Have we grown past a lot of that? I, I think we have grown a lot as a nation in just my lifetime. In the 50 years of my lifetime, this nation has grown leaps and bounds in the terms of race relations. Leaps and bounds. I, I, they wouldn't agree with me on that. But from what you've experienced, what I've experienced, what we've seen, what our nation has experienced, a lot's happened. A lot of good stuff has happened in that, in, that, in that side of our world, in our country. White supremacy and white privilege, we're going to look at more about that in just a minute. Another one of the oppressors is the nuclear family. It's called the patriarchal system, uh, where the men run the show or the fathers run the show kind of thing. The nuclear family or the heterosexual. The wealthy would be considered the oppressor, no matter how you got it, unless, unless you're part of them and they're minority, then it's okay. Successful businesses, especially big corporations, certainly be the oppressor. So what are we gonna do with those? We're gonna dismantle them, or tax them, or regulate them to the point they can't do business. Now this is not on everybody's list, but I can promise you what's gonna be added before too long, Christianity and the Bible will be considered part of that oppression. It already is in especially LGBT community, okay? So you're not gonna be spared from this battle is what I'm saying. That's why we need to listen, we need to hear, we need to learn these things. You're not gonna be spared from this battle, okay? Now who is the oppressed? So you got the oppressor, who is the oppressed? Well, women are oppressed. Minorities, especially what's front and center today, especially black lives, are the oppressed. Illegal, undocumented immigrants, no matter how they got here, no matter what situation, they are oppressed by the American way. The poor are oppressed. 
Here's an interesting one. The environment is thrown into this. You want to know why in the middle of all of this stuff, they're talking about the Green New Deal. It's all part of the agenda. Okay. It's part of the package. The LGBTQIA+, certainly oppressed. All those particular groups that's represented there are, are oppressed. The incarcerated. It doesn't matter how you got there. The incarcerated, especially minorities, it doesn't matter how you got there because the reason you're probably there is because the system is messed up and the system is rigged, so to speak, to get you. Okay? That's, that's probably not even everybody, but these are just some ideas about who is the oppressor and who is the oppressed. Now, so there's this war between the oppressor and the oppressed. And the only thing, according to Marxism now, even neo-Marxism, the only thing that can free the oppressed from the oppressor is a revolution. Have you heard that word lately? Go to their website where I, where I was just referring to. It's on there. Here's how to be a part of the revolution. Or the revolution has begun. It actually began a long time ago, actually. Revolution is necessary to free the oppressed by any means necessary. Okay. This, in Marxism, in these three movements I was talking about, this is justice. Okay. Now, just a, a quick glimpse. Biblical idea of justice is righteousness. It's the idea of doing what's right. Right and wrong. Okay. This is far different. So when they say justice, I just want you to know, when they say justice, they don't mean that the gentleman, the cop who killed George Floyd, is the way it seems anyway, he hadn't been tried yet. But the way it seems from what we saw in that video and the killing of George Floyd that happened back in the end of May, justice, when they say we want justice for George Floyd, they don't mean they want that guy to pay only. They mean now we want our whole agenda to be addressed and to be enacted. Okay? You see what I'm talking about? I mean, seriously now. Everybody good? Questions, comments, you good? You all right? Everybody tracking with me? Okay. Now, according to their story, the oppressor in America is this idea of cultural dominance or rule. Okay? which they would translate as white supremacy or white privilege. You've heard that? Have you heard that term lately? White privilege. Okay. That the white supremacy and white privilege is the source of all racism and the racists that are in this country that are keeping the, the oppressed down. Okay. Here's the idea now. Here's the idea. Whites have achieved social dominance by setting up systems to maintain their supremacy and these systems dictate the viewpoints and behaviors of all of society. So if, if all these systems are in place to make the white person thrive and the other folks die, down the vine, so to speak, then what do we do with the systems? We disrupt, we dismantle, we defund. You see what I'm talking about? I'm trying to help you think in the, in the logic of all this now, okay? All right, so that's according to their, their, their deal. So now the typical oppressor, according to their ideology now, the typical oppressor in America is this. He's white, he's male, he's heterosexual, he's middle to upper class usually. Not necessarily, he can be somebody in the poor class too. And he's native-born native in America. That's the oppressor. And the more boxes you can check off right there, the more racist you are. See what I'm talking about? And the typical oppressed people is everybody who is not this, that are the likely victims of oppression. And so what we're going to do as the oppressed is we are going to stick it to the man. That's the ideology now. And I don't say that funny. Well, we better wake up. These folks are serious. If the last 
two or three weeks have not showed us anything. It showed us that we better wake up if we want to save our country. I'm just saying now, this, we're not immune to this at all. And especially with the way we're connected in our society with media and internet and all those kind of things that, and all the digitized stuff and all, we're, we're not going to be spared now. All right. So, oppressor is the privileged, the racist. There's this struggle, which is not just the struggle, but it's our struggle that's the thing that binds all of them together. The, the, the our struggle part. It's, it's what binds the groups together. Is that they have the common struggle. They may not even agree. They may not agree theologically. They may not even agree economically and all that kind of thing. But they will agree and take up whatever they need to take up in order to get rid of the oppressor. That's what we see happening right now. Because what you, don't you see the, some of the protests? If you, if you watched any news, you see the protests. And, and you thought they were marching for justice for George Floyd. But then you see all these signs. That has a lot of the things we just listed about we want equality for this and we want equality for this and they're screaming about this and there's another group over here with a megaphone about this. Why? Because they're all uniting to, in their minds now, this is all in their minds. Now this is their story, this is their narrative. I, I, I believe it's a lie. I don't believe it's a story at all, but that's what they believe. And they believe it wholeheartedly and are willing to die on the hill for it. I can tell you right now, most of them are. Okay. So there's the struggle, our struggle, which, which will be a war. It'll be a revolution. The oppressed victims will rise up against the oppressor. That's the belief of what's happening right now. now. Okay. Have, have you heard of critical race theory? You ever heard of that? Critical theory, critical race theory, or white privilege theory. Have you ever heard of that? Those are actually books. They, they can't get these books fast enough now. They are selling them by the millions to people in our country. Critical race theory especially. You, you can go on Amazon and get them probably on a Kindle or something like that. Go do some research. Don't, don't spend any money on them. Go do some research just on YouTube and type in critical race theory. If you want to, do, if you want to learn. Type in what it means. You'll see these ideas about the oppressed and oppressor. You'll see the idea about white privilege. It's really hard for me to, to understand from my background. I was just raised, probably like many of you, just normal life, struggle, fight to survive, basically. My family, my dad was a pastor, and that was the day back when pastors didn't get paid by churches, you know. Didn't have much income in the church to pay them. You know what I mean? Churches have prospered a lot in the last 25, 30 years. But back in my dad's day starting, we, we struggled. He worked part-time jobs. He worked sometimes two jobs. Pastor the church at the same time. And, you know, we got paid in fried chicken and, and eggs. I'm serious. <laughs> and, and, and life for us was a, was, was a, a struggle. Anybody got a story kind of like that? I mean, we were poor. We were poor. When I walked on the baseball field, uh, that, it's one of the reasons I, I was motivated to, uh, to excel the way I did. I caught a lot of flack because I, my, the stuff I had, my glove was old, uh, my bat was half cracked. When I used a wooden bat back then, uh, I couldn't afford aluminum bats like a lot of the other kids had. They called me tennis shoe man. You know why? Everybody else had these nice little cleats. I wore tennis shoes. The only guy on the field didn't have cleats. Until my papa heard all the mess and he said, I'm, I'm going to take the store and buy you cleats. I remember the day I got my first pair of cleats. I thought I, didn't, I, thought I was big league at that point in time. <laughs> they called me tennis shoe man. So my goal was, okay, I'll show you who tennis shoe man is. <laughs> it really motivated me a whole lot, you know. And, and I really excelled on every baseball field I ever stepped on. Poor, and that really got poked a lot of fun at. So I really have a lot of hard time understanding privilege. I really do, because life was such a struggle for us. It really was. So forgive me if I kick back on some of that, because it was a struggle. Life always has been a struggle for my family. Hey, to be honest with you, I wish I was a little bit more privileged than I am. I, you know, but. Some of the struggle made me a better person. Now, the Marxist solution now. 
This is just a few, and I, I don't have time to bore you with all the idea. But some of the solution that is in this form of Marxism is to dismantle, to disrupt, to defund the American way. To do that to capitalism and its whole system of government. Do you realize that, that the platform of, of Black Lives Matter, what they want to do is defund the police, defund the judicial system, dismantle it. That's judges, everybody. Dismantle it, pull it out. It's corrupt to its bone in their minds. To dismantle it and to get rid of all the prisons. What in the world? Anybody want to ask why we put them in there in the first place first? You know? It's, it's, really, some, it's, it's really radical ideas. And my problem is not them having the radical ideas. People have been coming up with stuff all, all the time. My problem is the corporations, the pastors, the churches, the people hitching their wagons. Really? And I'm not supposed to say any of this because I'm a 50-year-old white dude. I ain't supposed to say none of this. But somebody's got to say something now. This is a bunch of nonsense. And I'm not trying to stir up no trouble. The trouble was already stirred up before I started talking, in case you didn't know. But you understand what I'm talking about now? We have got... Nobody's pushing back on anything. And I'm not saying we need to be rude. We don't need to be ugly. We don't need to show out. That's, that's a whole other... That's, that's childish. But somebody needs to wake up and push back and say, hey, you know what? This ain't what it seems. There's something crazy now. Everybody all right? I, I don't really want to be nobody that does that. I, I, I wish we, I love peace. I love peace. And I figured out without peace, there's no prosperity in, in any way of life. You know that? I like peace. Don't you like peace? I mean, my, my old motto is, why can't we all just get along? I mean, that just really, I don't understand this. I really don't. And being from Memphis, I mean, Memphis is one of the most violent, crazy cities in the whole continental USA. It really is. Um, we, we've experienced all kinds of stuff in Memphis. You know, some of great. My family still lives there. Some of not so great. So uh, we, we've actually been dealing with these issues in Memphis from the time of the 50s and 60s, really. When y'all were there, it was not good, you know. So we got to dismantle the system and the government, and we're going to replace it with socialism, communism, or one of its many variations or something. Another solution they have is wealth redistribution. Now, who's going to do the redistributing? That's what I want to know. Well, the government's going to. Well, if it stays the way it is, the government's going to do it. And how are they going to do it? How are they going to redistribute the wealth? Through taxation and or regulations. We're seeing a lot of that kind of stuff being proposed in legislation even today. And if you were the, if you were the CEO of a major corporation, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. So how are we going to re redistribute the wealth? We're going to dismantle big corporations. Now, I don't, I don't like monopolies, for sure. I think we have laws to keep monopolies from forming and all that kind of thing. But that means all big corporations dismantle them altogether. Now, do you, do you realize what that would do, just that alone, what that would do to American society? Do you realize what big corporations and the wealthy citizens of this nation, do you realize what they do for this country? Now, I know capitalism's Achilles heel. Capitalism's problem is greed. We all know that. But capitalism plus generosity is prosperity for everybody. Now, does the, let me ask you this. Does the Bible teach socialism? You know, there's some that take the book of Acts and try to say that the Bible teaches socialism. Remember when it says that there was no lack among us? And we distributed to all who had need. It says that kind of stuff in like the first few chapters, the first four chapters. 
Remember say that kind of thing? Was that socialism? Was that when, when Barnabas comes up and he sells a piece of property and he gives all the money to the church? Was that socialism? No, that was generosity. It's a big difference, isn't it? Okay, so socialism, well, that, they did it on their free will. Now, see, socialism is imposed by the government's will. Generosity is imposed by the person's will. Okay. There's a big difference in that now. We're going to look a little bit at that here real soon when we deal with the idea of helping the poor and all that kind of thing. So this is redistribution thing, okay? Uh, do you realize what the wealthy class and big corporations do for our nation in the form of charity of all kinds, scholarship and the education system, donations, even if they didn't do any of that, what about jobs, job creation? What about innovation? Because see, small businesses, they, they can't get into research and development. You know why? They can't afford it. So the big corporations get into the research and development and the pushing of our society and the technology and all the things that, that cause us to progress as a nation and to grow as a nation. Now, I'm not for greed. But we need the big and the little. I'm, I'm just going to tell you from a, from a sociological standpoint, we need big corporations. We just need them. They help fund this country. They pay a lot of taxes. They basically keep the government floating in a lot of ways. So this wealth redistribution is the dismantling of the wealthy class and the elevation of the poor. And I'm all for the elevation of the poor. I'm all for that. But do you have to tear down one to make another happen? I don't, I don't think you do. They want equality in economics, which is another way of saying socialism. Okay. Just a couple other. We're almost done. Limitations or abolishment of the ownership of private property. That's a big Marxist idea. You don't think that can't happen? Go to China. Guess who owns, it? Guess who owns China? It happened in Cuba. Actually, I just started watching a documentary on Cuba the other day. It's, it's tragic what happened to that country. And it's been 60 years in oppression. Terrible. It's just now starting to see the light of day a little bit. Another idea of, of their solution is dismantling and redefining of the nuclear family. We, we talked about that a little second ago. Really. When they say justice, this is justice. This is part of their idea now. Well, according to Karl Marx, he wanted to abolish and outlaw religion too. He was a diehard atheist. Vehement, diehard atheist. Not to mention gun ownership and all that kind of thing. We didn't get time to talk about all that. All right? So now the revolution has begun. Overthrow the cultural dominance, the supremacy. So how do you do that? You control the robes is one of the phrases used. Control the robes. Who the, who the people that wear robes? Well, judges, professors, preachers, you know, politicians. Th those are the people that wear the robes. Control the robes. The Marxists have done a pretty good job of that. Control the education system. Redefine history. Start them while they're real young. You know what I'm talking about? Control the education system. Make allies with the religious world. That's always been curious to me. Why do they want to make allies with the religious world? You know what? Why does the LGBTQA plus, why, why do they want to have the approval of the religious system? Why, why do they want that? You know what I'm saying? I mean, they can go do their own thing. And I would, I would like to argue with a lot of people to say, hey, you know what? If you're an American, you have, you have rights. You have rights as an American. You can vote. You can get a job. You basically can do all the things that me as a 50-year-old white man can do in this country. And maybe even a little bit more, actually. You know, what, what, can, what, what do they mean when they mean rights? It's something different than what you and I would normally think. To make allies with the religious world. They, they want to get into this religious world because that is a part of breaking down the culture. Okay? Have they succeeded in that? Well, the United Methodist Church just split right down the middle. It's currently in a 
legal uh, bartering period to find out how to separate all the property and all the assets and all that kind of stuff. It is split right down the middle because of these issues we're talking about right now. They call it, in the church world, it's called social justice, which we don't have time to get into all that. It's called social justice. And in, in the new social justice idea, those three streams we talked about in the civil rights movement, all three of those streams are merging too as well, which is why you won't ever hear me being part of the social justice movement. Control entertainment. Is that happening? Who do you hear talking the loudest about all this stuff? Hollywood. Control entertainment. Control the media. Oh, Lord. I ain't got time to talk about that. Control sports. Why? Because that's a big part of the culture now. Why is all the stuff happening on the sports field? There's a reason and a strategy behind it now. It's part of the agenda. And I hate it because they took my football away from me. I'm not watching the football. It's ridiculous what's happened. When I want to watch football, I want to see a guy run as fast as he can down the field and throw his hands up when he scores a touchdown. That's all I want to see. I don't want to see no politics. I don't want to hear nothing about Democrats. I don't want to hear nothing about Republicans. I don't want to hear nothing about causes. I want to just watch a football game. If I want to watch all that, I can watch the news. Does that make sense? I'm soapboxing now, but that just aggravates the fool out of me. But there's an agenda. Okay? Here's another idea of what they do. Make all social discussions and issues about race and sexuality. Isn't that where it always goes? We use some slang about it now. Oh, you had to pull a race card. You say that kind of thing. Why? Because every discussion that's happened politically especially, it always goes to what? Either race or sexuality. You know why? They framed, they framed every argument around those two issues. Okay. And get people to bow to the cause and use pressure however necessary. That's what's been going on in the last month in our culture. Get them to bow. I'm, I'm talking about physically, really, sometimes. Get them to bow to the cause. But they also, corporations, get them to bow. Get them to bow by going through all of their registries of all of their employees. Go through all the social media of all the employees. Find out who made an off-color comment, who may have made this. And you go find that person and you fire them because they're racist. That's what's happening now. There are actually websites you can go to that log all this kind of information. Most of the logs are on, on uh, business levels. I'm done pretty much. Here's, here's the problem. If Marxism is adopted, there will be real oppression that follows, I can promise you. Socialism and communism have a very dark history in our world. Very dark. And here's the other problem. If the system is the problem, the real issues really go unchanged. Because the real issue is sin. If it's racism, the real issue is not the system. The real issue is the racism in that heart. The only way to change that is not to change the system, is to change the heart of that person. But the issues in our cities, in our inner cities especially, sin's a problem. The morality or the lack thereof is a huge problem. And if the system is the problem, then personal choice and personal responsibility, hey, it's not my fault. It's the system's fault. And then nothing ever gets changed. And you can throw as much money at it as you want to. And it'll be the same old mess a week later when you leave. You hear me? If the system is the problem, then the drug epidemic doesn't get addressed. Because most people that are in prison are in there because of some kind of substance abuse problem. Not all of them, but most of them are. The drug, drug ep epidemic doesn't get addressed. Crime and violence doesn't get addressed. The corruption of leaders, I, I don't even have time to get into all that. The corruption of leadership, especially in these minority communities, is unbelievable. Now, we got corruption in D.C. and all over the place, actually. But since they brought themselves front and center on all this, the corruption of leaders in these minority communities is, uh, is unreal, actually. 
because our government has thrown millions and millions and millions of dollars into our inner cities and you can't find a lick of it. It's horrible. And you follow the money, you'll find the problem. Anyway, what can we do? We need to pray. Pray for our country, pray for our leaders. Pray for truth to come and disarm all these lies. You need to know your Bible. You need to build a stronger foundation in your life with Christ. Very much so, because we are about to go through a season now that whatever can be shaken, it will be shaken. It's already started. Teach your children and grandchildren the truth. Teach it. Teach them. Have meaningful conversations in respectful, gentle, kind, and loving ways. Engage people in the right kind of way, with the right kind of heart. Talk about these things. And get involved in the political process. That's important. And somebody's got to be like the prophet and blow the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm from the holy mountain and say, Hey, wake up! Because there's going to be opportunity later where you're not going to be able to wake up. You hear what I'm talking about? And I'm not calling. I I didn't start this fight. I I don't want no fight. I want peace. We want unity. We want God to bless America. You good? This more than you bargained for tonight, wasn't it? You awake back there, Miss Carol? Sometimes we just don't want to think about that because I tell you, it scares the jeepers out of me. It, it, it should. It should scare us to action, though, not to silence. But I'm, I'm with you. It's scary. I mean, I think you think about your little grandbaby now. I think about Lily and Hannah and Chase. I think about them growing up in a world that's going to be far different than the one I grew up in if we're not careful. You see? But let our fears motivate us instead of lock us up. You know, we, we've got to do that. It's, it's, it's serious times. It's frustrating times. You're good? And hey, if you get difference of opinion on certain things, talk to me. Talk to me. I want, I want to know. I, I like to be educated. I like to know. I like to dialogue. And that's something else that's happened in our country. You notice that? Dialogue is gone. Nobody wants to sit down and talk about it no more. In fact, if you bring anything to the table, what you can expect if you run into certain folks, all you can expect is a bunch of profanities and F-bombs right in your face all the time. That's what we're seeing a lot of that. Lord, help us. Amen. Amen. Help us. Help us. Next week, we're, we're going to do more of a Bible study, okay? So it, it'll be a little bit more in our groove, a little bit more in our, our wheelhouse. But, you know, I, I just don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant about what's happening. Ignorance is not bliss, I can promise you. Let's pray. Lord, help us. We need your help. We need your wisdom. We need your guidance. We need you to keep us in a patient stance, in a steadfast stance, to persevere through all of this, to fight the good fight of faith, Lord. We can sometimes be drawn into our flesh in all this, and that's not right for us. Help us. Help us to fight right. Give us the tools we need. Equip us. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. Let it rain forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.